So when we walk through those dark valleys, thank you, Lord, that you have promised us that you're working all things together for our good and for your glory. And we rest in the fact that you have good plans to make us all you'd have us to be and to glorify your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I hope you kept your finger there in Psalm 23. I mentioned we'd be, Dr. Jeremiah would be looking at Psalm 23 again in our study Wednesday night. Uh, we apologize again for being a little bit late. It's just, it just reiterates to us every week, we need a building, y'all. We need a building so we're not moving stuff and setting up and tearing down. Because then all of that, somehow our television that we're going to use today got shattered. So we'll be buying a new television this week, but God knows what we need. We received an unexpected check in the mail this week to our church from someone that doesn't live in this town for $500. And Davey says, we need about a 70-inch TV. Stephanie said, I just bought one for the shelter, and it was 500 and some odd dollars. And so, yeah, the Lord, already, the Lord knew we had that need before that need came up. But pray for land. Pray for a building that when the Lord's time we're set up, we don't have to come in and set up and tear down. And it seems like we always run into something unexpected when that happens. But the Lord knows. Lord knows, so thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for your faithfulness to give. Change for transformation. Together we can make this happen. And again, it's bigger. We wouldn't be here if it was just us. But we have people across the state of Georgia and other places that give faithfully to our church. Other churches and individuals who give faithfully. Um, So we're, we're so thankful for that. There was a guy who just finished his military career. I know you served in the Navy and any other veterans we have here? Anybody else served military? What branch did you serve in, Brad? Navy also, we appreciate your service. These, are, these people are our heroes. You know, we just had three heroes from, amen? Three heroes from our home state of Georgia that were killed serving our country. So even those who didn't have to serve in dangerous places, when they sign up, they're saying, I'm willing to lay down my life. It's a beautiful picture of what the Lord Jesus did for us. The Bible says, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for a friend. So we thank God for our veterans. Heard about a veteran who just finished his military career. He got home and found out that his wife had had an affair and left him and just wrecked his finances. He wound up homeless. You know, many of the people on the streets today are homeless people are veterans. It infuriates me. Veterans should be provided every need they have because they're willing to put their life on the line for us when other people who just don't work and do anything seem to get it. And our veterans suffer. He was living on the streets, sleeping in homeless shelters, very little food or clothing other than what people could give him. And then some Muslim immigrants who had immigrated from a country where he served found out that he had served in the military and was involved in killing some of their people. So they started hunting that man down. He was running, hiding for his life. How do you comfort somebody who's facing something like that? How do you comfort somebody? He was literally no family, no home, no food, no income other than what people gave him. How do you bring him strength and comfort? The 23rd Psalm has probably been used more than any other passage in the Word of God to comfort us in our darkest hour. So if you're physically able, let's stand and read this again. Psalm 23, I'm reading right now from the New Living Translation. We'll kind of go back and forth today in translations. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. You mean if I'm homeless and I'm living on the street, if I know Jesus, I have all that I need? That's what the Word says. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. That's our word. We're in a series we're calling Renew. We're asking God to to renew our strength, to renew our life as we begin a new year. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the dark valley of death, King James says the the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid. 
For you are close beside me. He's talking about our good shepherd. You're close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Make our enemies sit down and watch us have that buffet from King Jesus. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely, not I hope so, but surely your goodness and unfailing love, your mercy will pursue me. Not just follow me, but pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these rich and precious promises from your word. I pray, Lord Jesus, probably most of us in this room, if not all of us, could quote this psalm. But give us spiritualized, Lord, as we examine this passage today. Help us to hear it afresh and anew like we're hearing these truths for the very first time. Lord, encourage our souls as we listen. For those who may listen later on on the World Wide Web who don't know you as the Lord of their life. They don't know you as their good shepherd. God, use your word and your spirit to bring about transformation. Because we know your word can transform anybody and everybody. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. You can be seated. So we began this series last week, Renew, starting fresh and starting new. If you look up the word renew in the dictionary, it means to become like new again. I don't have to get saved over and over again. Amen. Romans 8 says nothing can separate us from the love of God. But I need my strength renewed. I need to renew my relationship with the Lord in different seasons of life. Martin Luther said to, to progress is to always begin again. Put one foot in front of the other and progress again. You ever just get so tired and so wrung out, you just think, I don't have, any str- I don't have anything left in me. I have no strength. It's tax season. Miss Adele is a CPA. She's working six days a week at her job. She's working with Transformation Church now to help us with, with our finances and everything where that ought to be. I, and on Sundays, she's here leading us worship. So seven days a week, Miss Adele, you probably felt that way. That Lord, I don't know where this is coming from. I don't have anything else to give. He gives us the promise that he will renew our strength. Now, a nap is a beautiful thing. Amen. A nap is a beautiful thing. We don't always get those at a church plant sitting up and tearing down. But, you know, when our kids were young, I probably told you this before. When John Michael was, he was just a typical little boy. He would have torn the house apart if we took a nap. So we said, on Sunday is special. You get to nap with mommy and daddy on Sunday. Now, no other time was he welcome to come get in the bed with us. But on Sunday, that was the way we got to rest. A nap is a beautiful thing. I would submit there's no better place to nap. Then in a lounge chair on the beach, feeling that sea breeze and the sun beating on us or the back of a cruise ship. No better place to nap than that for me. But sometimes a nap's not enough. You can take vacation. You can take a nap. You can rest. But spiritually, physically, and emotionally, sometimes we just get to the point where we are drained. Uh, A pastor and abolitionist of the 1800s, Henry Ward Beecher, said, The 23rd Psalm has filled the air of the whole world with melodious joy greater than the heart can conceive. It's charmed more griefs to rest than all the philosophy of the world. Dying soldiers have died easier as it was read to them. It has made the dying Christian slave freer than his master. That's the beauty of the 23rd Psalm. I've been honored um, this week on Thursday. I had to rearrange my Thursday schedule to speak at a funeral. It's the, it's the, the, the first wife of the pastor that I came to know Christ under. She lived, she was almost 93 years old. By the way, she supported Transformation Church. She gave gifts. The speaker that we use on Wednesday night when, when um, Aiken and Hannah led in worship, she bought that speaker for our church. Almost 93 years, I'll be speaking at her funeral in Sandy Springs. And, and her husband was the one who I came to Christ under and baptized me. I'm probably going to 
because I'm in the 23rd Psalm. I don't have a better thing to comfort this family than the 23rd Psalm. Athletic teams, I don't know if they're still allowed to do this or not, but many times a football team or a baseball team will huddle up and they'll quote the 23rd Psalm. Which, you know, I kind of have mixed emotions about that because these promises are for Christians. Not all those guys know the Lord, but the Word of God won't return void, so they're hearing it. Why? Because in our fiercest and darkest battles of life, not just the fiercest and darkest battles, but on a normal day, y'all, on a normal day, I need to have my strength renewed by the Lord Jesus. And so the job of the shepherd, and we know from the New Testament, Jesus is the good shepherd. The job of the shepherd is to protect and to provide for the sheep. And he used that staff to sometimes to whack their legs and correct them. He'd use that, the crook of that staff to pull them off if they fell off the side of a hill and pull them up. He used it to offer correction, to offer encouragement. And that's the job of a pastor. I mean, Jesus is the good shepherd. But as your pastor, it is my responsibility under God to protect our church family, to make decisions sometimes that you might not understand fully what's going on or you might not agree with it, but you got to trust that um, as your pastor, I'm going to give an account to God. That's what the Bible says, I will give an account to God um, for, for your souls. I watch over your souls, Hebrews 10 says, as those who must give an account. So sometimes as a pastor, we have to make hard decisions. I remember, you know, I was a youth pastor most of my ministry, and I was dealing with a staff member at another church that I pastored. And my friend, I loved the dude. I'm sitting across the table from him. I'm in my office, and I said, my life was easier when I was on that side of the desk. I don't like being on this side of the desk and having to have these hard conversations like I was having to have with that dude at that time because he's my friend, and I love him. But it's a difficult conversation. The shepherd sometimes had to offer correction to the sheep and guidance and encouragement. So the shepherd that David is writing about in Psalm 23 is God himself. God himself, like, remember the Allstate commercial that says you're in good hands? If you're a child of God, you're in the best hands. You're in God's hands. So if you feel like your strength is gone and you don't have the strength to carry on anymore, let me remind you, write this down, number one. Let God strengthen you physically. Let God strengthen you physically. Julie and I have been members of Planet Fitness for some time now. I know you can't look at me and tell that, but we do pay a membership fee and go occasionally. But they just Planet Fitness just moved. It didn't move that far, but they moved down to where the old Bed Bath & Beyond used to be. And it's the worst traffic in Hall County. And I'm like, that's a disincentive for me to go there. So I haven't been going. So we went yesterday and looked at Anytime Fitness, which is down in South Hall near us. And we joined Anytime Fitness yesterday. And we both went and we worked out yesterday. And Julie said this morning, my hips are sore I think and she was a fitness instructor and we lived in Warner Robins and I was a student pastor we had a fitness ministry in our church and so Julie taught fitness Tuesdays and Thursdays or Monday Wednesday Friday Monday Wednesday Friday to 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 regular age ladies and her senior ladies were her favorite so she had me doing some of the things yesterday so we're sore you know you get tired you work out and you feel it that means you've worked those muscles you may be tired number one let God strengthen you physically verse three said he renews my strength Here's a southernism for you. You know what a wrung-out gas station dog is? You think back to Andy Griffith. They always had old hound dog laying out at the gas station. Just a wrung-out gas station dog. Sometimes I feel like a wrung-out gas station dog. With some of the things that we've been working through with Miss Adele in recent weeks, my wife can tell you I get up early, I go to Nabisco, I come home, and I'm immediately on the computer, and I'm immediately doing stuff for the church. You know, it's tax season. we got to get all that in, W-2s, and just so much to be done here. And so we're working all the time. But, hey, God's renewing our strength. 
I went out the other day and just went for a walk. I planned to go to the gym, to Planet Fitness again, but I ran short on time because I'm doing church stuff. So I thought, I'm just going to walk. I felt like a brand new man just walking in the sunshine. You know, if you know me, my body craved sunshine. It felt so good just to take a walk. God renews us, you know. As your pastor, I want to honor and respect your time also. We mentioned this, I think, last Wednesday night. There was a season when Julie and I were dating. We were doing ministry all the time. I worked at uh, Georgia National Bank in Athens. I graduated. She was still in school. I think Monday night I did I forget, Monday night was a, a Bridgeway Boys Home. I took teenagers from our youth group to a boys' home. We did a Bible study, played ball, took them to a Georgia game. Tuesday was visitation. Wednesday was at church. Thursday was about the only night we had off. And we, when we got married, I'm like, okay, she's my number one responsibility under God. It is not the will of God for me to be gone for my brand new wife all the time. Were any of those things I was doing bad? Mm, they weren't bad. But that's why we got the Holy Spirit. There's, we could do ministry 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and not scratch the surface. So God's given us his Holy Spirit. And he says, hey, trust me, and you just follow me. Sheep need food and water. Sheep are, remember David Letterman used to have stupid pet tricks. Y'all remember that? He'd have pets do stupid pet tricks. Never had a sheep. Sheep are some of the dumbest animals. So when God refers to us as sheep, that's not really a compliment when the Lord calls us the sheep of his pasture. He's saying, hey, but he says, I got you. I'm the good shepherd. I will lead you, and I'll follow you. Sheep don't know how to, <clears throat> they don't know how to feed themselves. They don't know how to find water. God's word is the bread of life. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Jesus said, I'm the living water. Whoever drinks of me will never be thirsty again. The good shepherd provides all of our needs. He wants us to take care of our bodies. This is the only body I'm going to get to serve the Lord with. If I don't take care of the one I got, I don't get another one until I get to heaven. So we have to eat right. We have to exercise. We take care of the body. There were not a lot of green pastures in the Holy Land at that time. Sometimes in our life, we feel like, Lord, where are the green pastures? I feel like I've been in a desert. I feel like I've been in a desert forever. Lord, lead me to those green pastures. When we look to him, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, he will lead us to those green pastures. When our resources are low, when your pantry is bare, God promises to provide every need. He'll take you to those lush green pastures. And sometimes we feel like we can be drowning in an ocean of trouble. Somebody has suggested that perhaps Isaiah 43, which was written before the Psalms, Isaiah 43 is one of the older prophets. This may have been the inspiration for David when he wrote Psalm 23. Isaiah 43, 1 and 2 says, don't be afraid for I've ransomed you. He bought us back off the slave market of life. I've ransomed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. Not only does he know our name, the scripture says the very hairs of our head are all numbered. One of my favorite New Testament stories is the story of Zacchaeus, the crooked little tax collector. Of course, it's not politically correct to call him little anymore. But in fact, he was short of stature. That was Zacchaeus. And he heard Jesus was coming. He'd heard about Jesus traveling through Jericho. So he ran out and he climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. The little song we learned in Vacation Bible School says, Never met Jesus. Jesus is passing by. And Jesus stops. He looks up in the tree and he says, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to your house today. 
Zacchaeus had never met him, but he knew him, and he could have just said, hey, dude, come here. And Zacchaeus would have followed him, probably because he'd heard about Jesus. He was inquisitive, but he called him by his name so that Jesus could go home with him. He called me by my name, February 26, as a 15-year-old boy, and he came home with me to give me the promise that one day I can go home to be with him in heaven. When you go through deep waters, Isaiah says, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. The sheep lack nothing that the shepherd cannot provide. And it reminds me of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19 says, And this same God, this same God that he's talking about, will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Your bank account may be depressive. You're, you know, I was giving Miss Adele's help with financial stuff, and I said, hey, here's the sign-in stuff to the church account, but when you see it, you'll see my personal stuff. I have nothing to hide. It may depress you when you see my account. When you, you may feel that way about your bank account also, but God, it's not my resources that supply my needs. It's God's resources that supply all of our needs. And the other thing about sheep is they're skittish. I don't know what skittish is. They're fearful, and they don't like running water. They're afraid of running water. So what does the psalmist say? He says, I'll lead you beside the still waters he knows what we need if you haven't figured out I'm pretty high strung okay I don't relax a whole lot if I get still I fall asleep am I right about this baby pretty pretty high strung dude God says listen to me let me lead you beside the still quiet waters you know something about still water if it stays stagnant it'll get nasty It'll have mold on top, and it'll be a breeding ground for mosquitoes. Still water can only have the bitterness removed when Jesus, our good shepherd, takes that. Jesus can take the bitter waters of your life and your family's life and make something sweet out of it. God is our refuge and strength, the psalmist says in Psalm 46. Always ready to help in times of trouble. Number one, let God strengthen you physically. Number two, I got to roll. Number two, let God strengthen you emotionally. Let God strengthen you emotionally. Even when I walk through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid. For you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Sometimes we know the truth in our head. Maybe we memorize verses in Awana or RAs or GAs or whatever is children, vacation Bible school. And we know all of that. But emotionally, it's just not lining up. My feelings don't line up with the Word of God. And when my feelings don't line up with the Word of God, what do I need to do? I need to hupotasso, the compound Greek word, put myself under the authority of God's Word. We can know that. But what if you or a loved one is near death? I mentioned Miss Linda, whose daddy just went home to be with the Lord. He hung on for a long I have a sweet, precious cousin who has taught me that Florida gators can be sweet. I'm bulldog to the bone. We just, you know, gators are our arch enemies. But I've got, my mama has the sweetest first cousin who loves Jesus. She's a gator. She's had cancer now for probably 10 or 12 years. And the Lord has healed her and brought her. But she's been in her final days of life now for probably a month. We've been told to be ready. Her name is Jan. If you pray for my cousin Jan Smithy. I texted her yesterday. I got back a long, detailed thing about the weather and how th- she's not eating or anything. It, and we're thankful for every day God gives her. But the best is yet to come when she sees Jesus. It's exhausting for her daughter and her husband who are taking care of her. They're not rushing her to heaven. But the doctors have said there's no hope left on this earth. The best is yet to come for her. It's exhausting. Even when I walk through the dark valley of death, 
God will strengthen his sheep even in death. We don't run, but we walk through it. I don't run through it in fear, but I walk through it. Through the dark valley of death. I don't go into it, but through it. One thing about a valley is there's a way in and there's a way out. God doesn't take me to the valley to keep me in the valley. I go in, but he's going to take me out. The valley has a way in and out. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, New King James says, I will fear no evil. For the Christian, death's just a shadow. Death has no substance. I remember as an unsaved person, I was saved at 15. You know, you talked about the rapture. You talked about end times. You talked about death. I was, it scared the snot out of me. I don't mean to be crude, but it scared me really bad. I didn't want to die. I didn't want to go to hell. I'd heard about the Lord. My granny had taught me, but I knew I was lost, and it freaked me out. Not until that Monday night that I repented of my sins and I made Jesus the Lord of my life. He took all that away and gave me peace. I'm not worried about death. Death is just a shadow. 1 Corinthians 15 is known as the resurrection chapter in Scripture. And 1 Corinthians 15 says this, O death, where's your victory? We read this often at a graveside of a funeral. O death, where's your victory? O death, where's your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God. Thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, my dear brothers and sisters, based on those promises, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. The substance of death has been removed. It is only a shadow. It is only our transformation into the, to the best life now. Somebody wrote the book, Your Best Life Now. Don't buy it. It's a bunch of garbage. This is not my best life now. My best life is when I I see Jesus face to face. If others are lying about you, if others are talking about you, if others are abusing you mentally, Satan cannot have control of my emotions unless I let him. No weapon formed against me, Isaiah says, shall prosper. If I get down and discouraged looking at the circumstances of life, that's on Mike because I've chosen to do that because he says that he will comfort me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. I think I mentioned this Wednesday. I don't know that I've said it to the whole church. But, you know, I guess it was back in October, November. You know, I, you know I, I'm 60 years old. So that means I have an ist for every condition known to man. I have a doctor for everything. And I go and I'm doing my checkup. And the doctor says, there's a 25% chance you have cancer. And I said, okay, that means there's a 75% chance I don't have cancer. And I'm banking on that 75% chance that I don't have cancer. I'm not worried about that. I have perfect peace. I told Julie we're at perfect peace. We didn't worry about it. Because of the holidays, we didn't get the news on the biopsy that I had done until January. I had friends say, you need to get a different doctor. That's inhumane to make you wait. I'm like, we're at perfect peace. Whether he tells us today or next year, we got perfect peace. So when I go in for the results and he says, I have some Pretty good news and some bad news. And the bad news is you got cancer. But the good news is it's slow growing. Men can live your whole life with this cancer and it never affects you. Went for a second opinion this week at Emory. So thankful that we did because this other doctor was talking surgery. He said, you don't need surgery. You don't need surgery. Only 25 to 30% of men who have this kind of cancer ever need it treated. I want you to know as God is, even when he said you've got cancer, I, you know, I, I'm always a glass half full and not half empty. Julie and I were confident it wasn't God gave us peace. Well, it was. But our peace and our joy was not dependent on a diagnosis from a doctor. Our peace and our joy comes from Jesus. We know the best is yet to come. I may have shared with you, we went to a pastors and wives retreat that the Georgia Baptist Convention put on, and we're at Stone Mountain, and we won two trips. We won a trip to Myrtle Beach, which we'll be going to later on 
This, this month, later on this month to Myrtle Beach. And then we won a seven-night cruise. We get to pick our cruise line wherever we want to go on this cruise. We've been wanting a cruise since before COVID. So God knew we couldn't afford it. So God said, let me just bless you with this. I love a cruise ship. But I'm asthmatic, you know, as a child. So one of, my, one of my biggest fears in life is not being able to breathe. So I never wanted to go on a cruise. I was terrified. I'd get in there, but you couldn't breathe or drown or something. But when God just kind of took that away from me, the first cruise we took, we took our youth. We took a youth ministry cruise, and it was awesome. So we did another one. The next one was storming. I mean, that boat was rocking and rolling. Brother Jimmy Moneypenny, who came and helped us on our launch day, he was preaching for our students. He was having a hold on to the table. Glasses and dishes were going every which way. Hey, I don't care. I'm ready to go back on another cruise. Imagine if you're on a ship like that. Adults can be freaked out, but picture with me, if you will, a pretty little newborn baby. Maybe a little baby boy. One of my favorite, my favorite song of all time, we sang it earlier. I don't think Adele knew that was Because He Lives. One of the verses of that song says, How sweet to hold our newborn baby and feel the pride and the joy that he gives. But greater still, the calm assurance, this child can face uncertain days because Christ lives. You can be on a ship that is rocking and rolling and dishes going every which way. But if there's a dad with a newborn baby in his arms, that baby doesn't have a care in the world. That baby knows it's daddy. The baby knows the daddy's smell, the daddy's voice. Things can be storming in your life. You may be told you have cancer. But if you will just rest in the arms of your heavenly father, he will give you peace in the midst of the storm. So the shepherd used that staff to rule them, to guide them and correct them. And for us on this side of the cross who know Christ, we got the Holy Spirit living inside of us. I don't need a shepherd with the staff to come and break my legs anymore. The Holy Spirit says, ah, you're mine, Mike. My boys don't act like that. When I'm tempted to do something I shouldn't, and he pulls me back, not with the crook, but the Holy Spirit. Or he brings a verse of Scripture. Nah, I've told you in my word, you ain't supposed to do this or something that maybe I don't want to do. And he says, it's never wrong to do what's right. The Holy Spirit says, you obey my word. We've got his word, so we don't need that. That's the way the good shepherd follows us today. It's not through the, the, the crook of the staff. When you decide to follow Jesus, have y'all figured out you'll have enemies? Have y'all figured out people ain't going to like it? You know, as we get closer to the end of the age, we've studied about for weeks now um, on Wednesday nights. So we begin this new study on the rapture. But the Scripture says things are going to get worse. There's going to be a greater polarization of good and evil before the Lord returns, before the Lord raptures his church. I believe we're seeing that lived out. They, they don't just dislike Christians. They hate Christians. They hate Christians. You don't hear about tolerance, 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 tolerance. We're to tolerate anything and everything and all sin and every lifestyle. But the one thing that's not tolerated, if you're a conservative, Bible-believing Christian, they don't tolerate that. Why? Because everything we believe flies in the face of the junk that those people stand for. So we stand on the truth of God's Word. We speak the truth in love. We're not jerks with God's Word. We, the most loving thing you and I can do is tell somebody the truth. Tell them what the Bible says. It's not my opinion. Let me tell you what the Bible says. So there are people that are not going to like us, and I think that's going to intensify at the end of the age. Scripture says in Matthew in the Beatitudes, blessed are you if people persecute you. Did I quote that right or wrong? I quoted it wrong. See if I got your attention. He says, blessed are you when people persecute you. It's not if. If you stand for Jesus, you're going to be persecuted. And I love what Psalm 23, 5 says. People hate you. People talk about you. People gossip about you. And he says, I'm going to give you a big old old country 
buffet in front of God and everybody. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Let them lie about you. Let them persecute you. Let them do things against you. But I got to sit back and watch God pour out his blessings on you. When you put your trust in Jesus, the blessings keep pouring and pouring, and they never run out. Basket and Sunshine were cl- a clown ministry. Did y'all ever see Basket and Sunshine? They used to come to our church in one Robins to do children's programs. That was one of, she had a jar that would pour water, and she'd do it like a hundred times, and that thing never gave out. And, she, and Sunshine would say, when you put your trust in Jesus, the blessings keep flowing and flowing and flowing, and they never run out. She would say it in that high-pitched voice at the end. But that's so true. She was teaching the children that. In Bible times, when you were your guest in somebody's home, it was customary that they anointed your head with a sweet oil, and they would fill your cup all the way to the top until it runs over. That was a sign of hospitality. As long as you're in my home, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to have plenty as long as you're a guest in my home. God makes us a guest of his. He invites us into his family. He's preparing a place for us. And if he filled up my cup with blessings, that would be awesome. But he says, I don't just fill it up. It's running over so that your enemies have got to see God's blessing on your life. No matter what they say about you, no matter what they do to you, those blessings keep pouring out of the cup. And I think there's an old Southern Gospel song that says, I got so many blessings. My cup's running over. I'm drinking from the saucer. I can drink from the saucer because those blessings keep pouring and pouring. Let the scoffers say what they want to. Let the people that don't like you because of your trust in Jesus say so. But they're going to have to sit back and watch God pour out his blessings on you. Let God strengthen you physically, emotionally, and most of all, number three, let God strengthen you spiritually. Let God strengthen you spiritually. Verse 6, surely, that's a southernism right there, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. It will, he will pursue you like a coon dog. Pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. That word goodness in verse 6 could be translated grace. What is grace? Grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. I didn't do anything for it. Jesus paid for it. I just received the gift of grace. He says, your goodness, your grace will follow me, and your mercy. What is mercy? Grace is God giving me something that I can never earn or deserve. Mercy is God don't give me what I do deserve. I deserve to have been in hell a long time ago. That's what I deserve because I'm a sinner. I deserve to have been in hell a long time ago, but the fact that I'm standing here is a sign of God's mercy. As long as you got breath in your body, you got God's mercy. His goodness, His grace, and His mercy will pursue you all the days of your life. Let me remind you, these are conditional promises. These are promises only for followers of Jesus Christ. If you don't know Christ as the Lord of your life, maybe you're driving down the road, listen to this on the radio later on on the World Wide Web. This promise doesn't apply to you, but it can. It can apply to you if you give your heart to Jesus. So grace is God give me what I don't deserve. Mercy is thank God he doesn't give me what I do deserve. In Bible times, and maybe even still today, I don't know, they had the sheep and the shepherds leading the sheep, but at the back of the pack were usually two dogs. There were two dogs. The shepherds leading the way. The dogs are back there kind of herding the sheep, the sheep dog making, making sure they go where they're supposed to go. I think we can name those two dogs. Not Otis, not Cornbread, not Duke. We're going to name those two dogs goodness and mercy because the psalmist said, God's goodness, I'm a sheep. He's the good shepherd as I follow him. Goodness and mercy is pursuing me. It's hemming us up from walking off the cliff. It's hemming me from going to dangerous places. It's protecting me. That's what God does for us. His goodness and his mercy will follow us all the days of our life right on into heaven, right till we see Jesus. Psalm 46 and verse 10 is a difficult verse for your pastor. I already said I'm pretty high strung. Be still. That's hard for me. Is it hard for y'all to be still? 
Even when I'm still, I'm usually moving. I'm fidgeting or doing something. Um, Be still and know I'm God. I will be honored by every nation, all the nations of the earth. I'll be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. The Lord is my shepherd. That's a relationship. I have a relationship with the good shepherd. He lets me rest in green meadows. That's that rest that he promises us. He leads me beside peaceful streams, quiet waters. That's refreshment. He renews my strength. That's healing and physical stuff. He guides me along the right path. That's guidance. He brings honor to his name. That's the purpose of my life. The chief end of man is to glorify God. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid. I I got supernatural protection on me. Ain't nothing Superman or the bionic woman or the six million dollar man have. God is the is my protection. For you're a cl- for you're close beside me. That's His faithfulness. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. That's God's comfort. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. That's hope. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. That's consecration. He's setting us apart for His purposes. My cup overflows with blessings. That's abundance. And surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. That's God's abundant blessings that never run out. And I will live in the house of the Lord. That's security forever. That's eternity. Not just on this earth, but when I see Jesus, the best is yet to come. He is all I need. He's all I need. With, my, with our cousin Jan, the cousins are all texting her and encourage her. And nobody really ever says anything about death or dying. You know, we love you. We're praying for you. We know that she knows the Lord. But yesterday for the first time, I, I just kind of went there. You know, she said, I just thank God for every day. And it's God's mercy that gives me every day. I said, Jan, that's true for all of us. The fact that I get another breath, it's God's mercy. But Jan, never forget that for those of us who love Jesus, the best is yet to come. When we see Jesus, that ends in forever. Number one, are you resting beside his still waters? Are you being carried away in the strong current of this world? You know, it's been said any old jellyfish can swim downstream. If you're in a mountain and the stream's rushing down, any old jellyfish can go downstream. But it takes a fish with some serious backbone to go against the flow. As followers of Jesus Christ, we're to live holy lives in a hostile culture, and we're to go against the flow. We love people enough to tell them the truth. We don't condemn them because we all deserve to be in hell, but we love them enough to tell them the truth. Number two, today do you need to be reminded of God's grace and mercy that spiritually renew us? Maybe you feel like that wrung out gas station dog that I mentioned. Maybe you feel like Adele who's working seven days a week right now. Claim the promises of God's word and let him remind you that that goodness and that mercy are those two sheepdogs and they're behind you and they're pushing you to pursue and follow after the good shepherd and to keep you from going off the side of the cliff. Number three, God's sheep know him and follow his voice. The New Testament says, says just that, his sheep know him and follow his voice. You say, well, you know, I hear people say, well, the Lord spoke to me the other day. The Lord never speaks to me. Really? Do you read his word? The primary way that God speaks to us is through his word. And I confess, sometimes I get nervous when people say God spoke to me. Because what they're telling me doesn't jive with scripture. If they say God's telling you something and it doesn't line up with the Bible, God didn't tell them that. There's only two spirits in the world, Holy Spirit and unholy spirit. If it doesn't jive with the word of God, you better, you better avoid that mess. That's why it's so important for us to get in this book every day and know what this book says when we're surrounded with competing opinions. That was one of my devotions this week on FaceTime. You better know the standard of what you're supposed to believe. We know him and we follow his voice. Jesus said in John 10, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice. 
God loved us so much. Not only did he give us 66 love letters we call the Bible, but he lived a sinless life. Jesus never sinned. He was born of a virgin. He couldn't have an earthly father because daddies, we're the ones who pass on that sin curse into our children. So he was conceived by the Holy Spirit of God, so that curse of sin was not passed on, fulfilling the promise of Isaiah 7, 14, that a virgin would conceive and bear a son. He lived a perfect life, and yet, the only one that ever lived a perfect life they nailed him to an old rugged cross, and he allowed that willingly. He willingly let them nail him to an old rugged cross. And then what did he do? He said, Father, forgive them, because I don't know what they do. On an old rugged cross, two thieves, one thief on either side, mocking, cursing, and one of them acknowledges that, hey, he really is the Messiah. And just like that guy lived a wicked life, he's about to take his last breath in the mercy of God. Today you'll be with me in paradise. He acknowledged him as Lord. You say, well, what about the person who gets saved when they're five and live a godly life all the days of their life? Don't they deserve more? It's not about what we deserve. It's God's mercy. I thank God for his mercy that in the final moments of life, somebody can give their life to Jesus. Do you know him as your good shepherd? Have you been finding yourself in those troubled and turbulent waters? If you know him, let's just turn back to him. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. 1 John 1, 9 says, yeah, and believe in our heart. Let me start all over again. First, Romans 10, 9 and 10, if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. First John 1, 9 says if we confess our sins, if we're a child of God, we've given our life to Jesus and we sin, we confess that. He knows it anyway. It's all about the relationship. You know, prayer is something that fascinates me. God knows everything anyway. So why should I pray? Because he tells me to. And I'm increasing my intimacy with the Father by praying and acknowledging my sin that he already knows about. We'll do that. He'll be faithful and just or forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You say, well, what about murder? What about adultery? What about David? What about Paul, the heroes of Scripture? Many of them were adulterers and murderers. And if God can use them, what can he do through me and you? Let's pray together. Lord, how I love your word. Lord, I remember after my dad came to know you as Lord of his life, later in life, I can never forget my daddy telling me, Son, I can read the same passage over and over again, and God shows me something new every time. As many times as I've read the 23rd Psalm, as many times as I've preached the 23rd Psalm, as many times as I've quoted it, thank you, Lord, that for me this week, you've given me a fresh word and encouragement from the word of God in Psalm 23. For anyone under the sound of my voice that's unsure of their relationship with you, Lord, I'm so thankful that you say today is the day of salvation. We don't have to wander in uncertainty anymore. We can know that we have eternal life. You tell us in 1 John 5, 13. For anyone who doesn't know you, Lord, I pray they turn to Jesus today before it's everlasting too late. Lord, for those of us who find ourselves drowning in the seas and the circumstances of life, thank you for the promise that you want to lead us beside still waters. Lord, for those of us who may be wallowing in bitterness, somebody's hurt us, they've lied about us, they've hurt us deeply, God, I thank you that you can take the bitter waters of our life and you can make them sweet again. Thank you for the promise that nothing will ever separate us from your love and your goodness and your mercy are pursuing us all the way to heaven. So, Lord, in this time of invitation, quiet our hearts, help us to listen to your voice of truth, and whatever it is you want us to do today, help us to do just that. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Adele's going to lead us in just a sweet, sweet song. I don't think I'd heard it until this morning when she practiced it. If everything's okay with you and King Jesus, let's just sing. 
If you need to pray, you pray. If you need somebody to pray with you, we'd love to pray with you. Whatever you need today, He is. Let's stand together.